here we were, a growing business in the natural foods world, and often the trajectory for a successful natural foods business is to grow and grow and grow, and then at a, at a certain point, you sell the business to some bigger company or corporation, and any mission that you might have started with to do good may or may not continue with that with that sale. So we were looking, you know, we weren't there yet, but we were looking into the future to think, how could we, how could we protect this mission? How do we ensure that that continues for our business beyond us as founders? certainly a windy summer day out. I am your host, Anastasia. Welcome back to another episode of That's Rad, a podcast presented by the Littleton Food Co-op. I am so excited to be here with you today, and I mean that in such a genuine way. Not that I don't mean it genuinely every time, but I am extra excited for this episode that I'm sharing with you today because it, it truly combines some of my passions. We already know that I'm a co-op girly, but I'm also a pickle girly through and through. On this episode, I'm joined by Addie Rose of Real Pickles Cooperative. For many, the idea of a pickle and being a pickle girly only applies to the classic cucumber variety. But I really love all pickled vegetables. Honestly, a pickled vegetable can make or break a meal for me. To the point where if a pickled vegetable is part of a meal at a restaurant, I will be getting it. Or, on the other hand, if the pickle included with my sandwich is bad, the whole thing is is a no. It's all bad. So, combining my pickle love, my co-op love, and my podcast love... We're not going to go wrong this episode, so let's just go for it. Here's Addie Rose and Real Pickles for your listening and pickling enjoyment. All right, everyone. Thanks for sticking around. I am so excited to welcome onto the show right now Addie Rose Holland of Real Pickles. Addie Rose, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you, Anastasia. It's great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Before we get started, I do just have to shout out there that I am currently wearing my Real Pickles co-op hat. I know none of you can see that, but I feel like it really is important to say right now. Nice. You you're you you're in the right vibe. I'm I am. I was like what other way do you get in the vibe without having a pickle on me, which we have gotten into the ASMR. We have gone down that road before, but I think we're going to stay away from that road today. So hat it is and it's honestly honestly my favorite hat i really like it it's a good hat 
It's, Thank you. I could, I could, I could do a whole other podcast about this hat, uh, but I won't <laughs> today. Today, we're going to talk about, we'll say the non-apparel side of your business, the important stuff. <laughs> that um, sounds good. Okay. So I feel like there's really no better place to start than telling us how did Real Pickles come to be? Yeah. So back in 1999, the last, the previous millennium, we, uh, my husband, Dan Rosenberg, went to a, a NOFA summer, summer conference. And NOFA is the Northeast Organic Farming Association. And every year in Amherst, they host a, a summer conference with lots of talks and workshops and advice and networking and, and stuff like that. And he was very interested in farming and gardening and cooking and food and local economies and local farming. And so he went to, to a workshop um, at the conference that was on fermented fermenting vegetables. And he learned how to make his first batch of sauerkraut by fermenting. And that workshop sort of opened this whole world to his uh, approach to, to food and, and farming um, and eventually led to starting Real Pickles a couple of years later. And fermenting vegetables or fer- fermentation has been an important part of healthy indigenous diets around the globe for as long as there have been humans. And by the time Dan took this workshop, it was largely lost to the American diet with uh, modern food processing and, and, and industrialization. Folks had really moved toward like a consistent shelf-stable kind of pickle, which, you know, I always say I'm not, I don't discriminate when it comes to different pickle flavors. I love myself a good vinegar pickle too, but the fermented pickles had really gone by the wayside at that point. There were only just a handful of businesses across the whole country that were selling fermented vegetables commercially. And so if you went into the grocery store, most grocery stores, um, you would not be able to find a, a fermented pickle on the shelf. And there there was some uh, appreciation for this type of food pre- preservation. There were only like a couple of references in, in cookbooks to how, you know, how to ferment sauerkraut. It was pre, you know, pre-fermentation revolution. So it was, it was a little tricky trying to find resources on what this food was and, and how to do it and how to create a variety of recipes. So after a whole lot of experimentation and tasting and, and thinking in 2001, we came out to Western Massachusetts where we knew that there was uh, a lot of uh, agriculture and very skilled farmers and amazing river bottom soil and and we made a go at it to start start this business and see if we couldn't play a role in kind of bringing this back to to the american diet and it was it was a slow start at first definitely like an educational experience for us and also our customers like it was kind of a fringe product and a lot of people didn't really know, you know, what we were trying to do. But there were a lot of people who also recognized this 
food too. And some people would say, oh my gosh, this tastes just like the pickles my grandfather used to make in the crock in the basement. And I haven't tasted this flavor in, you know, 40 years. And which was very validating for us in terms of this very unique flavor that had, had largely been lost for most people. It was not, not an accessible food. So yeah, it, it sort of came out of this appreciation for traditional food, uh, traditional diets, and, uh, and also local agriculture. So it's, it's a way to preserve the harvest and be able to eat from your garden or from your CSA into the winter and, and beyond. And so here in Western Mass, there's been a lot of support for local agriculture and appreciation for local food for a long time. And so it, it was a great place to get started with a business like Real Pickle. It sounds like it. And I love that origin story for two reasons. One, it feels so relatable because who among us has not gone to this one-off thing and been like, oh, maybe I'll just like look into this and then it consumes your entire life and then becomes your entire life, like a workshop that turns into a business, which turns into a reinvigoration of a food system, a lost part of a food system. Uh, and also it sounds, in a way, the part at the end you were talking about having to educate your customers and convince them to become customers. That sounds so much like the story of when we were starting the Littleton Food Co-op of not only do you have to excite people about this new business, but you also have to explain what a co-op is. And some people will recognize it and be super excited, but then others, there is that large education piece and like you i'm sure for us that still continues to this day uh, but the thing i want to talk about next was that you said it's been a part of the indigenous diet uh, that fell by the wayside why has it been part of this diet and so like what benefits are the pickled vegetables offering that maybe regular vegetables don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I mentioned, you know, the ability to, to eat through the winter. Like that's the, that's one obvious one is just sort of allowing a farmer or a gardener to just grow more vegetables because you can, you're, you're thinking about the entire year, you know, supplying for the entire year as opposed to just supplying for the fresh season. So it's a it's a way to extend the the season. It's also the flavor is you know there's a a flavor value add which is different from a from a raw vegetable. You've got the process of fermentation uh, relies on microbes that exist in healthy soil and on healthy vegetables, and uh, and it's a it's a wild fermentation. We, we're not adding any you know, inoculants or anything like that, any starters. And the the microbes break down the carbohydrates in the vegetable and create this huge diversity of compounds, including lactic acid, among other other kinds of acid. But lactic acid is sort of the main preserving substance. So in 
for example, vinegar pickles, you've got acetic acid. So whether that's your, whether you're using like pickling vinegar or apple cider vinegar, it's a, it's a certain type of acid. And this, this is, a, is different. So it's still acidic preservation, but it tastes really different. You know, it doesn't have that very sharp flavor that a vinegar pickle uh, might have. It's much milder and it allows for the flavor of the vegetables to come through and the herbs and spices and whatever whatever else you're adding to your pickle. And by pickle, I mean cucumber pickles and sauerkraut and kimchi and pickled beets and, you know, any basically anything, any vegetable that's preserved in, in acid. And so you're, you've got this, this milder flavor of the, the lactic acid. And then you also have a huge array of compounds that are produced during fermentation. And, you know, while raw vegetables are super important for a healthy diet and contain all kinds of vitamins and nutrients and important, you know, important things, you would never want to substitute all of your raw vegetables for fermented vegetables. That's definitely not a good idea. <laughs> but, but, uh, <laughs> But it's different, but it's a different kind, you know, the fermenting a vegetable changes the composition of what you're eating. And so you've got not only new kinds of compounds and nutrients that are created in the fermentation process, but also your body might be able to take them up in different ways than they would from a raw vegetable. And science is really just scratching the surface on all of the benefits that come with fermentation in general, but also fermented vegetables. But it does, there, there are some, you know, there's, there's some documentation that these compounds that are created are, can be really important. And certainly, you know, the connection of the, the gut microbiome to the health of the rest of the body is super, super important. That has been documented. And fermented vegetables are one piece of the of the healthy diet puzzle that we need to uh, make sure that we're feeding our gut and feeding that important microbiome that helps to keep the rest of us healthy too. Um, so it's a it's part of the picture, you know. It's not the only mm. it's not the only thing, but it's part of the picture. Like you said earlier, we're in the fermentation revolution if you will. Or is that mm-hmm. is that the phrase you used? I may have used that phrase, yes. Yeah, we'll, we'll coin it now. Um, <laughs> and something else I think is important to note or is fun to note is that because of this distinction, you were talking about the mild or flavor, people who may have not been pickle girlies before, like don't rule out real pickles because the taste is milder, so if you were against that strong vinegar taste, don't rule out pickled vegetables as a whole. We might have found the avenue for you. Yeah, I've definitely come across folks who say, I'm not I'm not into pickles. This isn't this is a food group that doesn't work for me. I don't like it, you know. And that's totally fair. Like maybe pickles are not something that everybody likes. But but I think it is worth a try to try a fermented pickle because it's a it's pretty different. It's a pretty different experience and no guarantees. <laughs> but it's but I do think it's worth a try. 
another difference is a lot of vinegar pickles, particularly certain flavors like beets, for example, um, are made with both vinegar and sugar. And so they're cutting that sharp vinegar taste with the sweet sugar flavor, which, you know, I love a bread and butter pickle. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) I could eat a lot of bread and butter pickles. And so there's definitely a place for those. But with fermented pickles, you are, you, you have to keep that sugar in balance. And vegetables, of course, come with their own sugars. And so for, with beets, for example, there's a lot of sugar in beets already that feed the fermentation. And so adding more sugar doesn't usually work with a, with a fermented beet pickle. So there's not, so that it's pretty different. So our fermented beets, pickled beets, are very earthy, savory, and not that very sweet flavor that some folks have come to expect from pickled beef. So it can be, you know, approaching it with kind of an open mind, not expecting a certain type of flavor, but like giving it a, a chance to see if maybe maybe this is something that you could consider. An open mind with food is always a good thing. Yes. Okay, so, so far... As you mentioned, yes, it's super important that when we're talking about uh, we're using the word pickle now, but we also mean cucumber and cabbage and beets you just mentioned. And I know we have some other products, too. Has anyone ever suggested something and been like, you should pickle that? And you're like, "Mm, let's not. (laughs) Yeah, um, we've tried a lot of pickles in 22 years. I mean, we've tried fermenting a lot of things in 22 years. <laughs> and, you know, we, we could be, we could be missing some experimental methods or part of the process or a, you know, maybe there's a spice that will like really change, change everything. It change, change everything, right? Keep, Keep it, keep something crispy that really just goes to mush or two things we have not had success with as of yet. Not to say that it's impossible or that <laughs> we'll never have success, but, um, asparagus and summer squash are both things that we have, we have not been successful with. So yeah, those are, I would say those are two things that were We'll leave that to the to the vinegar pickling crowd for now. <laughs> I have definitely seen I can't say I've ever tried pickled asparagus, but I've definitely seen it. I can't say the same for summer squash and you know what? I I'm good. I'm, I'm something about <laughs> the idea of that. I love a regular summer squash. I have it growing right now. Uh, but I'm, I'm good. So, uh, thank you. Maybe (laughs) I know I just had to have an open mind, but I'm, I'm closing the door on that one for now. It's funny because we have been successful with pickled zucchini, but just not the yellow variety. So something about, you know, maybe just more experimentation would, would solve that. Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) That's a, that's a next 22 years project. (laughs) so shifting gears a little bit i want to talk about something you were talking about again in the beginning with uh being in western mass 
and the environment being so supportive of local and shopping local, buying local, all of that. And you have continued that, and Real Pickles only buys the raw ingredients from organic Northeast farms. So continuing that tradition, why is that such an important piece of your puzzle? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And and it, I think it gets to a lot of why we do business the way we do and and also that it's it's important to our process too. So the primary thing is that, you know, we're concerned about the changing climate and we have prioritized both as a business and also individually to you know, do our part to mitigate how much carbon is in the atmosphere. And we're, you know, we're already seeing, even just in the, in the couple of decades that we've been working with local farms, we've, we've seen changes in how, uh, the, the impacts of, of a changing climate on our agriculture locally and specifically like pickling cucumbers <laughs> and the season for pickling cucumbers has, has gotten much compressed because of the way that uh, changing climate patterns have, have shortened the season. And so we're, you know, getting, getting our vegetables from regional farms is a really important thing for us just from a carbon footprint standpoint. You know, the closest farm we buy from is Atlas Farm, which is seven miles away and that we we were so lucky to have that that resource to be able to buy vegetables from a farm that's so close and that cuts down on our on our carbon footprint but it's also important for the fermentation process and I think another piece and I'll go into the fermentation process in a minute but another piece of buying regionally buying from regional farmers is that we can maintain those relationships with the farms so that, you know, we know that they are using sustainable practices, that they are prioritizing soil health, that they are helping to build biodiversity around surrounding and within their farm, which, you know, that's not just about food miles. That's about a bigger picture um, ecosystem health. And, and also uh, climate mitigation. So th- that's really important. Also, how we do business, the farmer relationships are so important to how, how we do business and staying connected to those farms so that we can, we know how, how things are going for them. They know how things are going for us and we can support each other from year to year to year mm-hmm. in making sure that our businesses are, are healthy and forward looking and good for the community. I think that is such an important point, and I'm so glad you brought that up, because oftentimes when we're talking about this idea of supporting the local economy and supporting your farmers, it is so easy to just put it in a numbers perspective. But what we are really talking about is building that community and supporting that community and the more qualitative part of it. So I'm so glad you brought that up because that is just as an important piece 
as the numbers because yes, you're giving those dollars to this farm, but you're also giving it to this farmer and you know them and you have a relationship with them. So yeah, I'm just, I'm glad you brought up that piece because I, I really enjoyed hearing about what you said just now. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and it is it it's a it's a key it's a key piece of how how we make this business work. And I think it it helps the farms too because they're being able to we we set a contract early in the year, uh early enough that they can that they can plan uh for seed purchasing and planning their their crops locations they know that they can grow this crop they have a market for it right and and so they are literally able to grow more than they would be if it was just going to you know a farmer's market or the grocery store you know there's limited amounts of how much fresh vegetables people can eat in the summer but this really does extend the season and and extend the crop so, yeah, it goes both ways, and it is really important for a healthy community. So in terms of the fermentation process, it's important to be getting our vegetables regionally because not only can we use different vegetable varieties, and this is important, too, because um, often vegetable varieties that are being shipped thousands of miles are chosen for storage, their storage qualities, not necessarily for their flavor or their nutrition. And so by by being able to purchase vegetables from farms that are closer, we can work with those farms to use varieties that work well for fermentation and are going to be more flavorful or more nutritious or better for the for the fermentation. And so this, that's a real, that's a, that's a key thing. So it literally opens up the, the doors in terms of ingredient choices. It's also really important because, as I said, we work with farms where we, they're using organic practices. Um, we know that they are prioritizing soil health because that's good for their, their farm that builds up carbon in their soil and a healthy microbial community in their soil that adds to healthier vegetables. And because we are relying on the microbes that come in on the vegetables, like that's literally one of our ingredients. We don't put it on the label, but it's an important, it's an important part of the fermentation. We can't ferment without these microbes that do that work. And we know, we, we, we recently did a study with, uh, in collaboration with folks um, at UMass Amherst, the University of Massachusetts, where they looked to see, you know, where, what are the micro, where are those microbes coming that are doing the fermentation work? Is it in a sourdough bakery? It's environmental, like the, there, some of those microbes exist, like in the facility, and you sort of build up this, this facility microbiome over time. But for vegetable fermentation, what they found was it, it literally is what's coming in on the vegetables. And so it really depends on having a, a healthy vegetable that's being grown in healthy soil 
in order for us to have a robust fermentation that's going to create the most flavorful and the, the healthiest product. So we, we see those, those healthy farms as so essential to the food that we're making. And then another, another aspect of the community piece is that by, you know, by working with those key farm, farm partners and regional farm partners that were, were able to work together toward a strong local and, and democratic economy and also be thinking about what our priorities are as a community for protecting land, making sure that ecosystems are healthy, and also making sure that food system workers are protected and supported. Yeah, and it makes total sense when you think about the microbiome. And first of all, mm. that was that's crazy that to think that all of that is just on the vegetables, in the vegetables, or even in a facility, that just blew my mind. Yeah. And it's you just knowing that information makes total sense why you want to support those local relationships because you are building that together. But you just said such a key word of the democratic community, and I want to talk on that because another reason besides being a pickle fanatic that I wanted you on today is that you guys are fellow cooperators, that Real Pickles is a worker-owned cooperative. So I want to know, has it always been this way? And how is it being co-op? If you did change, what inspired the change? How did the change go? And just tell us about your co-op journey. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we, this is actually our 10th anniversary this year is our 10th anniversary of being a worker owned cooperative, which we're super excited about. And we made the transition 13 years in to our business. Part of, part of the reason that we wanted to make that transition is because we looked around, you know, here we are, here we were, a, a growing business in the natural foods world. And often the trajectory for a successful natural foods business is to grow and grow and grow. And then at a, at a certain point, you sell the business to some bigger company or corporation. And any mission that you might have started with to do good may or may not continue with that with that sale. So we were looking, you know, we weren't there yet, but we were looking into the future to think, how could we, how could we protect this mission? You know, we're, we've already talked about a lot of that, of the elements of our mission, certainly sustainability and thinking about ecological health and human health and democratic economies and local agriculture and the carbon footprint of food and, and all these things are so, so important to us. But how do we ensure that that continues for our business beyond us as founders? So we, we thought about it a lot and talked to a lot of people and, th and then started talking to the folks that worked with us in, in the business and uh, the kind of business that we are it requires a lot of people involved to make this business work. And uh, there's not, we're not very highly mechanized. 
there's a substantial need for labor of various kinds to make to make the business work. And and so in talking with our coworkers, folks were pretty excited to be part of that story going forward and to help maintain the mission of the business going forward and 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 just really wanted to be a part of making that that work. And so a smaller group, a subset of the of the workers worked with us for over the course of a year to start making start creating the structure of of turning real pickles into a worker co-op and we were able to write our strong mission uh, and principles into the guiding documents of the cooperative and and part of that is making sure that we you know as a worker co-op we exist for the benefit of our workers and so part of that is creating good jobs and bringing our workers into decision making and profit sharing and creating a place, a workplace that people want to stay at, right? A, a workplace that feels supportive and is meeting people's needs and is rooted here, is rooted in the community that supports us. And so like a, a worker co-op, the job is one of the key is like the primary benefit that you that that a worker uh it, that's where the value is 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 in the job and so a worker co-op is not very likely to say you know what prices are increasing in this area let's move this factory you know overseas or let's move this to a cheaper place and we're that's not a decision we're likely to make because people are rooted here, their families are here, this is the place that they've chosen to live, and they're going to go to great lengths to make sure that that continues to work. So so making sure that we're staying, we, we're continuing to think of ourselves as a community business, which is absolutely, like, we, Real Pickles would not exist without so many aspects of the community around us that has helped to make us viable and that that includes the farm community our customers local banks and lenders we have a, a group of community investors and of course fermentation enthusiasts in the in the region and so that that sort of give and take between community and business is a really essential piece and i think being a worker co-op just sort of extends and further roots that into this place and this region. This is not my main takeaway from all of the great things you just said, but to make full circle, we're going back to the merch. Uh, I really just want a shirt that says, that says fermentation enthusiast. Nice, um, and nice. I think, I think we can partner on that and really make that work. But I'm so glad to hear that being a co-op has helped you all confirm your commitment to community and make a plan for longer in the future uh, to stay that way because as we've heard today you all are doing so many great things and I have personally learned so much today but the one thing before we go that I have not learned that is essential an essential question to any business co-op whomever that comes on the show is Addie Rose I have to know 
what is your favorite real pickle product? Yeah, that is that is a very important question and a good one. You know, I I cycle through favorites. It it's different in the summer, it's different in the winter, depending on what. There are some products I only eat with certain recipes. <laughs> but I'm going to go with I'm I'm going to offer a few. I would if if I really had to say one, I think I would have to go with our garlic dill pickles, which are seasonal products. We don't make very many of them, so if you see them on the shelf, you might want to take advantage of that opportunity. <laughs> We're out currently, uh but but they should be coming back in the summer. Um they we we have dill pickles start when the cucumber harvest starts. So they're like early July into the winter, depending on how many we are able to get. And then in terms of sauerkraut, I think the turmeric kraut is probably my favorite. I love the color of it, and it just feels very nutritious and vibrant to me. And it's got sort of a, a nice zing to it that I think goes with a lot of different, a lot of different things. And then we've also been experimenting with a small batch program, which has been super, super fun and allows us to, to play with things that we wouldn't, that wouldn't make sense as a regular product. Like we wouldn't be able to get enough of it or it's just like a little too complex to do on a really large scale. But, um, but that has been super fun and, and I've really enjoyed being able to offer you know, dilly beans or hockeri turnip with seaweed, which is which is something we've done in the past, or nettle crowd or uh something like that. So we've got we've got a couple of things in mind for this this season and uh hopefully folks will keep an eye out for those because I I'm pretty excited about a couple of the things that we're working on. Awesome. Well, all right, everyone, she just gave you some great things to start out and try if you want to dip your toe into the Real Pickle Cinematic Universe. Uh, And if you want to learn more, you can go to realpickles.com, or they have a great social media, as Addie Rose was just saying, that with the turmeric kraut, uh, picture the vibrancy of that, just like in an Instagram feed. I am, I am so obsessed with it. Uh, but you can check them out there. And yeah, Addie Rose, thank you so much for coming on today and giving us your time and all of your pickle and fermentation knowledge. Uh, I speak for all of us where we are now your new class of fermentation enthusiasts and we would like shirts for that (laughs) awesome i'm so i'm so stoked that's so great thank you anastasia it's been a real pleasure to another episode of That's Rad, a podcast presented by the Littleton Food Co-op. I had so much fun today, and I learned more than I ever could imagine about some of my favorite ingredients. Thanks again to Addie Rose of Real Pickles Cooperative for coming on the show and giving us Pickle Girlies, the podcast of our dreams. And thanks to all of you for listening. 
This show wouldn't be interesting without the guests, but it wouldn't be possible without you, the listeners. If you liked the show today, make sure to let us know by giving it a big thumbs up and a great review on whatever platform you're listening on. Plus, you're going to want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know what's going on with your favorite local co-op podcast. Summer is here, and this is my favorite time in the co-op podcast world. If you want to be a mega fan, shoot us an email or a DM or whatever line you want to drop for the chance to be on the podcast yourself. But until then, and until next time, remember to eat, sleep, and be rad. You still there? It's time for the credits. This episode of That's Rad has been a production of the Littleton Food Co-op. Anastasia Marr is the host, writer, director, and editor. Jesse Smith is the graphic designer. Annie Stewart is the executive producer. All are welcome in the Littleton Food Co-op, Littleton, New Hampshire's only community-owned grocery store. No membership is required to shop. Learn more by visiting us on social media or going to littletoncoop.com. Or just come see us for yourself right off exit 41. Next time you need some locally produced foods, fair prices to fit your budget, and the best service in the North Country, Remember that Littleton Food Co-op is your place to be. Okay, that's all.